people. Welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. This week is going to be a special episode because it's part two in a two-part series with my new good friend, Dr. Jeff Myers with Summit Ministries. He's going to talk about establishing a biblical worldview, a worldview that sticks for our youth. And there's probably never been a more important time than right now to establish that biblical worldview uh, as we're in the middle of a culture war. And this part two is going to give you exactly what you need to make a difference as you're raising your kids to be strong in their faith so that they can be leaders and influence our culture. Here we go. Here's part two. And I also don't know very many parents that are on board with this, this indoctrination um, and this confusion that we're creating in the classroom. Let me give you another one. I'll give you another one I'll let you comment on. Climate. Okay, so climate is like race. It's being used to divide us. It's being used to confuse us. Um, and a right perspective, a right biblical perspective might fix this, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, I, I think it would. Uh, I'll just give you a specific example. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to a lot of the climate rhetoric that is mm. prominent in the culture today, it is about uh, uh, stopping abundance, stopping yes. progress for the sake mm. of the planet. There yes. are some people, however, who recognize that climate is changing and it could affect certain areas of the world in different ways. And because we are human beings made in God's image, we can have ingenuity. We can come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. I'll give you yes. some examples. There actually is a prize out there now. And the projects these people are coming with are uh, coming up with are extremely cool. One of them was a guy mm -hmm. in India who is realizing that, well, the future of India could be different. Some parts of India are not going to mm -hmm. be uh, agriculturally productive in the coming years based on climate trends, regardless mm. of how humans affect this. Yeah. And so he found a way to develop greenhouses where on just a very mm. small piece of land using cloth rather than glass. So it takes the cost of a greenhouse down to about 10% of what it otherwise was. Wow. And using 98% less water, he can help these <laughs> families get seven times the crop yield seven times. It's unreal. So now these families oh. not only have enough vegetables to feed their own family, they have enough to turn around and sell to other people so they can Amazing. create abundance and develop a business. There was a guy in China wow. who developed this kind of a, 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 bio, a biologically sustainable paste that he could mix mm. with sand in the desert and double crop yields, literally, literally turning deserts into gardens. Unbelievable. So these are the kind of people I'm paying attention to right yes. now to say, yes. well, uh, people are not the problem here. If, mm. if our minds solve all of these things that we face as human beings, then yeah. we want more minds working on these things more mm. rather than fewer. And yes. in fact, the economist Paul Romer won a Nobel prize demonstrating that the more people that are on the planet, the more yes. chance that more of us have to gain a level of wealth that is sustainable. Right. Okay. So I'm loving what you're saying, right? And we never hear about these stories. We don't hear about these stories of innovation, ingenuity, human creativity, because 
you know, if you listen to the World Economic Forum, which right now seems to be the straw that's stirring the drink towards communism, I mean, most people don't realize, but we are under, <laughs> we are on this road towards global technological communism. People don't even get it yet, but they will. A lot of people are waking up to this. They view human beings as the problem, right. not the solution. Right. And boy, that lens, oh my gosh, well, of course, they're calling for uh, a dramatic, meaning multiple billions of people to be eradicated. They want the population down to, you know, 1950s uh, numbers, to that 500 uh, million to a billion, because they view human beings as the problem. But God would say, no, no, these human beings are made in my image. They're made to prosper. They're made to flourish. And they're made to solve problems. You know, I, it reminds me of the verse, and I'm going to paraphrase it, talks about it's to the glory of, of God to conceal a matter, but to the glory of man to reveal it, to discover it. And that's what we're on, right, is this quest for truth and knowledge that God has already put in the creative order. How great is it that people are working towards the solutions and man is not the enemy of the climate? There are some amazing stories I tell I tell these in a book called Truth Changes Everything, just about how mm. Jesus' followers changed the course of science. Yes. Of the 52 individuals whose inventions and discoveries are responsible for the development of modern science, only one of them was an atheist. Really? Only one was an atheist. One was a, I believe that. One was a pantheist, kind of a new ager. Mm. 50 of them were believing Christians. Two-thirds of yeah. them would qualify as what we call evangelical Christians. In other words, they wow. believed in sharing the good news about Jesus mm. through the work they did. Several of them wrote devotional books. Robert Boyle, the father of modern chemistry, wrote a devotional mm. book called The Christian Virtuoso. How do you be a good natural philosopher? That was his term for scientist and be, mm. and be a Christian. And so Man. they thought a lot about these kinds of things. It's still the case today. Two-thirds of the people yeah. who have ever won a Nobel Prize in science, according to John Lennox from Oxford University, listed Christian as their affiliation. So Gosh. Christians have this heritage where we can be problem solvers, but we mm. do have to acknowledge that God, that, you know, God is creator. It's mind over yeah. matter. It really is. Mm. And therefore, we can bring blessing and flourishing to the people who are around us that we don't live in a world where sustainability only is the mm. best goal, that we yeah. can actually move more toward prosperity. And by the way, protection yep. of the rule of law is the other thing. So I always think of yeah. bearing God's image. Yep. Every person bears God's image. That's the core principle, mm. number one, that I want to see mm. preserved. That's why I'm a conservative. Mm. Okay. The second yep. one is the rule of law based on rights given from God. Mm. That rule of law based on rights given from God. I, I look back in history to people like Samuel Rutherford. So yes. during, during, uh, during the time of King Charles II, he, he wrote a book called Lex Rex, which yes. in Latin means law is king. That mm. king, having come out of a very difficult, tumultuous time in which his father was beheaded, uh, mm. be wanted his power to be secure. So he believed in Rex Lex. The king is the law. Whatever the king says is what the law is. Rutherford yeah. took great pains. It's a very dense book, but his point is very simple. The king is not mm. the law. The king must obey the law. The king yeah. is an heir of Adam, and so are all the rest of us. And the king sent his soldiers up to arrest Samuel Rutherford, bring him back to Parliament, give him a fair trial, and hang him. You know that was his that yeah. was his goal. And Rutherford uh, passed away 
uh, mm. before the soldiers arrived, which is, you know, quite rude to the king. And, <laughs> and he said on his deathbed, I have been summoned by a mm. higher authority. Mm. The recognition that there is a higher authority, higher than government, higher than the president, mm. is core mm. to a Christian worldview. Augustine said the mm. citizens of the kingdom of God will always be the best citizens in the kingdom of man because they have an allegiance that is higher than just mm. the perpetuation of the state or the viewing of the state as God. Yeah. So we can hold government accountable in that way. Our constitution makes mm -hmm. it a little bit easier. The yeah. Declaration of Independence makes it super easy. It says that the rights mm. we have have been given to us by God, that mm. the goal of government is not to grant us rights, but to secure the rights that God has yes. given to us. When we recognize that, mm. that's a core principle that's a game changer. Yeah. And what's the third? So first of all, and that that is at the core, the bedrock of American culture. I think it's part of the reason why the Marxists or I would argue maybe the elites, the political class are trying so hard to undermine our history, to demonize our founders, to undermine our historical documents as, you know, historically good, but irrelevant today. They want to tear it down because if you can remove those documents and those timeless principles in those documents, then we can have rule by the tyranny. Again, we can have this elite class that's kind of in charge of everything. Is that why th this culture war that's happening right now is so important and so fierce? I, I think it could be. It's it's yeah. really tough. It's really tough. You mentioned the World Economic Forum. That yeah. clearly is an example of what you're talking about. It is a gathering of elites who believe yeah. that they have gained substantial power, authority, and uh, substantial power and wealth, and therefore the authority to mm -hmm. tell everyone else what to do. And yeah. there's always this tension. There are people in the world who want to yeah. tell everybody else what to do. And there are people yep. in the world who just want to be left alone. Yes. And now we seem to have a system that is controlled by people who want to tell us what to do. Yeah. Well, that's happened before in history. That's not new. That happened during yeah. many, many parts of the Roman era. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? I think it's yeah. super important to go back and look at the writings of the Apostle Paul and ask, mm. what kind of a person do I need to be? Yes, I need to be respectful of governing authorities, but I must not mm. let evil win. Yes. Evil, uh, evil must be overcome by good. You know, yes. if, it, I, if, if, I'm a, if I'm in the military and my commanding officer says, go take that hill, and I start crying and say, I can't take the hill because the enemy won't let me, you know, <laughs> that's not going to be a good excuse. Right. I need to be able to obey the commanding officer and the commanding officer says, don't let evil win. Don't yeah. let it win. Yeah. I was just thinking though, you know, we look back at history where there were egregious things happening in our own history. And then really in world history, you know, you think about slavery, you think about the Holocaust, you think about some of these horrible things that happened in history. And if people interpret Romans 13 to mean, well, we just have to do whatever the government says, then we would never have eradicated any of these evil scourges on society. We wouldn't have stood up against Hitler because the government says we're not fighting. We wouldn't have stood up against slavery because it was the law of the land at the time. It It's, um, it's an affront to common sense, of course, but to biblical truth, too, that, of course, you're not going to allow slavery to continue because the Bible 
prohibits it if you actually read the Bible. Yeah, it prohibits you know, man, it, man stealing is what it's called in the New Testament. Yeah, right. So we had a case. We didn't make it, but then again, I think this goes back to back to do I really believe in a biblical worldview? You talked to start the, this podcast. You talked about how truth is centered. It, it, truth is a person, and truth is found in the person of Christ. Let's talk a little bit more about that and why that's so important. And then I want to talk about Summit Ministries in particular. If you start with the idea that truth is a person, then mm. you, you've, you've not only resolved the spiritual issues, you've resolved the philosophical mm. ones. So in mm. John, John chapter 1, John says, in the beginning was the Word. The, the word there in Greek, so most of the New Testament was originally given to us in the Greek language. The word in Greek mm. is logos. That word logos throughout time has been, it's, it's sort of like, well, what connects everyday life to God or to the mm. unknown? Is it, is it uh, logic? Is it the ability to speak well? Is it, mm. is it some sort of a demigod who comes to connect human beings and, and God? And the mm. Romans thought about this long before the time of Jesus, 500 years before Jesus, philosophers uh, in the Greek world were thinking about this and then a little later in Rome. But mm. th then John comes along and says, in the beginning was the logos, the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with mm. God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that was created. In him was life. And that life mm. was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. John is a brilliant philosopher because he says, mm. listen, what connects us to the unknowable is not just logic or mm. speaking smoothly. What connects us is an actual man who actually came in the flesh. Mm. When we start with that, then all other kinds of things begin to change because it's, mm. not, it's not a negotiable whether we treat people as image bearers of God. It is not right. a negotiable whether we stand for truth and fight against evil and injustice. A and that is true because of, of, of Jesus. Wow. I love that. I, you know, I was thinking as you were talking that, be, you know, we're seeing a, um, a movement in some ways away from religion, away from faith, if you look at just the numbers of people that are actually going to church or some kind of service on the weekends, that number is going down. It doesn't mean the church isn't thriving. It just means that it's changing. But, you know, if you do remove that, that's why I think Marxism and communism are so dangerous because they remove the person of Jesus. They actually make fun of this idea. Yeah. If you listen to the leaders of the World Economic Forum, they are absolutely poking fun at people of faith. They think we're ridiculously simple. And in some ways, maybe we are, but we're also powerful because we believe in the creator of the universe and in his son. So um, how does, so with Summit Ministries, which is just a really important youth development program, part of what you do is, is that, why, how do you make the case for Christ because you're you're bringing in kids that don't necessarily come from a biblical home or a religious home. How do you make that case? And what happens to these young people, middle school, high school students that are part of that program? Well, we're able to intensively serve about 70,000 students a year. Yeah. 
the at the core of our program, the, the probably the part that it's where you see the change most dramatically is an 11 day experience where mm. students come to either Manitou Springs, Colorado or Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Those are our two campuses. Wow. And when they come to these places, we we ask them to bring all their tough questions with them. Okay. You're yeah. going to be on the lookout for answers. Bring all your tough questions with you. For a lot of Amazing. them, this is the first time in their lives they've been encouraged to ask rather than just being told what to think. Wow. Then we talk about a biblical worldview. Is it actually plausible mm -hmm. that we can know the truth and that a mm -hmm. biblical worldview makes more sense of the world than other worldviews? Then mm -hmm. we explore the counterfeit worldviews. Here's what you're going to be up against. Here's why these people say what they say. Here's why they believe what they believe. And then we teach dialogue skills. So I say I just, mm -hmm. answers, biblical worldview, counterfeits, dialogue, yeah. A, B, C, D. Okay, that's how, that's how I think of it. So the, it's that simple, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so simple. we bring in top Christian thought leaders. You know, 60% of students are looking for the story that makes sense of the world. 40% just want the facts. So yeah. we, we bring in people who, on a factual basis, explain the narrative of a biblical worldview to show how we can have meaning and purpose in life, how we can know the truth and not fall victim to counterfeits, mm. to deceptive arguments, even when they sound reasonable. So mm. that 11 days, powerful life change. 95% of students leave that program and say, I embrace a biblical worldview. As, a, as opposed to 1% of their peers in the culture, okay? And then, I mean, and we keep studying them. We study them one year after, five years after. Is this just a camp high or does it keep going? It's 10 years right, after right. we study them, 85% stay strong in a biblical worldview. So I'm, I mean, I'm saying to pastors and parents, listen, if you knew a program could actually have that kind of an impact on a 16 to 22 year old, would you not move heaven and earth to make it possible for every one of them that you know? Yes. Yes. I want my 20, I want my 20 somethings to come back and I want to go through it. I mean, this is insane that we can't, you know, and is this just for church kids per se? Is it, is, or is it just a whole bunch of different people from all walks of life? How do people find out about it? Well, you go to summit.org to find out about it. That's yep. where you'll see the program. You'll see the people who buy yep. into it, people you might trust. Because I know yeah. it's a super expensive thing and it's a big deal mm -hmm. to send your kids away for 11 days. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but the other the other part of that. It's an investment, though, Jeff, isn't it? Like, it, I mean, I, I look at this and I think this is the, probably the single greatest investment I could make. I mean, our kids aren't come sadly. And I, I don't I don't take any pleasure in saying this, but our kids aren't leaving youth group with a 95% acceptance of a biblical worldview, they wouldn't even have any idea what the heck a biblical worldview is, most of them. And they're certainly not gonna, when you follow up with them later, what we're seeing is those kids that are coming through our youth groups are leaving the faith at an unbelievable rate. And I think part of it's because we're not teaching this critical thinking, this biblical worldview that then can transform a life. Yeah, yeah. I, I And you know, with the students, to the other part of your question, I, I didn't, I don't ask that they be Christians when they come. Right. Of course, when you say, are you a Christian? You're, everybody says yes. A lot of people say yes, just because that's what yeah. you're supposed to say. What am I? I'm not yeah. Muslim. You know, I'm not Buddhist. Right. I guess I'm a Christian. I'm American. I'm I must a, be yeah, a Christian. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what I ask for is, are you a learner? Are you mm. a curious person? 
Yeah. Do you want to learn and grow? If you, if you do, then you'll find a home here because Mm. your questions will be taken seriously. You will be taken seriously. You might be a kid, but you're going to be taken seriously like an adult and people will listen and talk with you. Um, Mm. And and you can grow. You can grow in an understanding yeah. of the truth. It's amazing. Do you? So, gosh, I'm so fascinated by this, and I it makes me want to uh, tell our church about it for sure, which I'm going to do be, if we don't know about it. And it makes me want to, you know, help to fund kids to go to this because I can't imagine a better investment. To be honest, I mean, this, you know, you and I just met. I'm a, I'm a fan because of what I've seen and uh, of what you've said. But at the same time, I can't imagine a better investment. You know, I know about the camp high. I know what a camp high is. A camp high is when you go and you have this great experience and you're outside from home for, you know, three days, five days, two weeks, whatever it is. And then you come back to regular life and everything that just happened, all that transformation just gets beaten up and lost. But what you're saying is, no, this sticks. This sticks. Is this something that could be plugged in. Do you have curriculum like for a school environment, like for a parochial school or a private school that has a religious um, bent to it? Can it be plugged in in that environment? It, it can. We have curriculum that we've developed from kindergarten through grade 12. Hmm. Every single day, the entire school year, 180 days. Wow. Students can consider a biblical worldview and it ties Amazing. together biblical knowledge which is lacking for a lot of people. They don't even know what Mm. the overall arc of scripture is and how we should understand it. Biblical knowledge along with biblical worldview and then character, because how Mm. you live it out is is how you live out what you know is as important as what you know. So Mm. that that curriculum is available. Again, at summit.org, schools, oh wow, lots of schools are using this all over the world. Eight hundred uh, some schools are training every single kid in their school in in a biblical worldview every single day. It's unbelievable. I mean, this is so exciting to me to have discovered your ministry. Actually, one of my great mentors, someone who I would consider a watchman in my life, who's a season ahead, who um, has strong biblical roots. He's the guy that turned me on to what you do, and we're practically neighbors here in Colorado. Are there schools, I'm assuming there are schools right here in Colorado, charter schools and others that have implemented this? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. There are Christian schools all across the front range and other places Mm. in Colorado that have implemented it. So yes, Mm. you can find those schools, whether you're in the Denver area, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, uh, Western Slopes, all all, lots and lots of schools. So yes, that that's available all throughout the state, but all throughout, uh, throughout the United Mm. States as well. And you can ask yeah. them, do you guys ever, do you guys use Summit Ministries curriculum, especially for the high Amazing. school students? That'll give you an indication of how intensive they are in preparing students for the sort of leaders, leadership that we need them yeah. to embrace in the, yeah. in the coming time. But yes, we, uh, uh, we, we want students to come here if they need financial help and you're willing to help them. Yeah. That's going to be a huge bonus. Now, listen, it costs us about $3,000 to educate a student in that 11-day program. Yep. We charge them $2,100. They can do mm-hmm. an early bird, $1,900. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, if you yeah. need financial aid, though, we need to know. We, you need to, we need yeah. you to, uh, to say, look, I am struggling right now. I'm a single mom. 
or I'm struggling right now. My one income is not uh, helping us. Mm. We, we can't have money for groceries and gas and everything else. Yeah. I want to know because I'm yeah. looking for young adults who are learners, who are creative, who don't know necessarily what it means to be a leader, but they want to live a life yeah. of purpose. They want to live a life yeah. of meaning. And they, mm -hmm. they want to be the sort of person who's a giver rather than a taker in the world. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll do whatever I can to help those uh, kinds of students get in our program. Buddy, I, me too. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a donor for sure. And I'm going to encourage our audience to become donors. It just makes sense with the success that you're having. And, you know, I can't think of a greater time. You know, the, obviously I jumped into this idea of this fighting for our values, our founding values, freedoms, liberties. All of what you're talking about is based in this biblical worldview. And I know parents right now that are, that are going to go to their administration and say, hey, <laughs> do you have this curriculum? Can we implement this curriculum? I, I hear it's really successful. And we now more than ever need a, that next generation to come through with a biblical worldview because it's going to inform every single decision that they make. And um, boy, we need it because our culture is in what I would consider in decay, maybe advanced decay at this point. I don't disagree. We're in a tough spot. There's no question about it. The Apostle Paul said, make the most of every opportunity because yes. the days are evil. Mm -hmm. The evilness of the days is not the variable. That is the constant. Yeah. The variable is whether we will make the most of every opportunity. Mm. So good. So good. And I think this is one of those moments, you know, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about what parents can do. Let's say that, um, first of all, we're going to try and get kids to your program because that just makes sense. What can parents do to, to take steps in their home, uh, with their neighbors in their youth group, whatever, what can parents do to ensure that their kids are exposed to truth, exposed to this biblical worldview, because that's the name of the game, right? You don't want them leaving here and adopting some other worldview, some of the counterfeits that you've talked about. What are some practical things that parents can do right now to help shepherd their kids toward a biblical worldview? Well, truth and relationship always intertwine together. Yeah. So you, you're asking the question to, of yourself as a parent every day, how am I connecting truth and relationship with my child? Mm -hmm. I yeah. want them to be friendly. I'm not interested in being best friends. I want, I want however, them to know that they're loved and that they're, yes. they're cared for, and that mm. nothing will stop me from loving them. I also yeah. want them to know that I am determined that they are at least exposed to the truth. So what yeah. do you do? Several things. F first of all, I, I would have some regular time in Scripture. Teach your kids how mm. to understand Scripture. So you can read it and not make any sense of it. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I mean, you read Leviticus, right? So everybody sets yeah. out to read the Bible. Then they die in Leviticus. It happens every February. And yes. <laughs> so, so true. So, so true. You can do things like uh, um, we've found some resources we found helpful. The Bible Project. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of their videos have yeah. been really helpful. And understanding what you're reading. Understanding yeah. the genres of Scripture. Their historical mm -hmm. books. There are books of law, there are books of wisdom, there are gospels, mm. there are epistles, all these different things uh, communicate yeah. the truth in a particular kind of way. So understanding yeah. those things, understanding the full counsel of God from creation mm. to fall, to redemption, to restoration, 
You can yes. find studies that will help you with all of these things. These tools exist. Mm -hmm. Second thing yeah. is you got to open up the conversation. So when they're going to mm -hmm. school, they're with their friends, they're in the culture, they're on their phones or whatever. Hey, you know, listen, I believe in the power of playing dumb. I believed that with my kids. I mm -hmm. don't understand. You know, everybody's playing this video game. Why? I don't get it. You know, help me so understand. Good. The more of a hick I am about it, the more my kids had compassion on me and could yeah. tell me what's actually going on. I would even mm -hmm. say things like, man, I heard this on the radio. Does this ever get talked about at your school? Do teachers ever say anything about this? What do they wow. say? You know, what do your classmates think about this? They're, they're, mm. That's a, a non-threatening way to yeah. get information and to help ask questions that so so they don't just get yeah. stuck in this cult-like one-way narrative that is so yeah. much a part of unfortunately our culture and even our education system in in many schools yeah all right so we're not going to tell the kids that that's what we're doing but that's what we're going to do we're going to we're going to play dumb and we're going <laughs> to use some reverse psychology so because it, what I think our, most of our come from is to make we're so afraid that they're going to believe something that's ridiculous and, and destructive that we condemn certain things like right away and we maybe we shut down the conversation. So what I love about what you're suggesting is that, no, 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 you want to make sure you're opening the conversation. And I'm sure there's a moment where you can bring truth. You can bring biblical truth in in a way that they're like, oh, I never thought about that. But I think what you're saying is, hey, be in relationship, make sure they know that they're they're loved, and at the same time, open up those conversations. That's crazy, right? I, I mean, when I was in school, yeah. people said, well, as Christians are all narrow-minded, we want to open up the conversation. <laughs> well, in so many universities now, especially in the social sciences, people, mm. the universities are shutting down the conversation. Here we are as Christians saying, we want to be yes. the ones to open it up. Yes. How ridiculous. We're, we're the narrow-minded ones, but we want to actually have, you know, I think part of it is because we're convinced that the truth actually will win out in the end. You know, when truth is presented, it's very attractive. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Jeff, this has been so, so informative. I have a hundred more questions and we're out of time. So we're going to have to bring you back for sure. The good news is though, I think we're going to connect a whole lot of people to your ministry and, and I think people are going to get excited about this idea now that they're empowered to make a difference for their kids so that their kids will maintain this. Well, first of all, establish this biblical worldview and then stay on the path, because I know as a dad, you know, there's no greater joy as a father to hear that my kids are walking in the right. truth. I mean, there really is no greater joy than that. Right. Circumstances can be up and down. They might be having difficulties. But, man, if they're relying on God and the truth. I can sleep pretty well at night. So I know a lot of our listeners are going to be excited about the resources that you have to help their kids. We, yeah, we'd love to connect. We want to be friends. Summit.org yeah. is our website. You, you can find a phone number there. You can call. You'll talk to a real person mm -hmm. who can help answer your questions. Mm -hmm. 16 to 22 year olds for this coming summer, though, that's especially mm -hmm. important. This could be that summer okay. that helps your kids develop an unshakable faith. Amazing. Amazing, Jeff. Thanks so much, my friend. And we're, I, I hope our paths continue to cross in significant ways. Yeah. Appreciate Looking you. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the conversation, man. Same.